is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 125 of the Rebel Author Podcast. 120. Didn't we only just have episode 100? How the hell has it been 25 weeks since episode 100? Unbelievable. That is a quarter of the way to 200. And look at me doing maths live on air. Um, I am, I'm thrilled. 125. That feels like a lot of fucking episodes now. I am really pleased. So thanks guys for sticking around and listening. And I will get on with the intro. Uh, this, this episode, I am talking to Emma Byrne. She is a returning rebel. We don't often have returning rebels, but Emma is a returning rebel. And today we are going to be talking all about how to build a professional author network. But first to last week's question, which was, how do you or what books have gotten you out of a reading slump? Amy Sund said, I go back and pull something new off my TBR or revisit a series I stalled on previously. Or humour. I'll reach for something humorous if I've been stewing in sobering historical fiction for a while. Yeah, and I have to say, humour does tend to get me out of most um, holes. Uh, but I seem to struggle to find humorous books. There, there aren't as many funny books as... I don't know, maybe I'd expect. Uh, Kerry Hardisky said audiobooks. I have the Libby app on my tablet so I can borrow audiobooks from the library. Since mum life leaves me so exhausted most days to actually read anything other than kids' books. I listen to my books when I'm driving or making dinner. Yes, I love that. So I do a lot of listening to audiobooks whilst I'm cooking. That's kind of like my hour. Since I no longer have a commute, and my commute was when I mostly got to listen to my audiobooks, I now tend to do it whilst I am cooking. Alexa Rivers said, uh, I was in a massive reading slump last year. I cast aside so many books that were probably great, but just not what I felt Sorry, like. I'm not sure about that. Wow, that was aggressive. Ah, Alexa, you have set off my Alexa. <laughs> Alexa, stop. I'm going to leave this in just because it's funny and I forgot that that was a thing. <laughs> Hello, tech. Um, okay, so she says, <laughs> Ms. Rivers says, or yeah, I think, it, uh, I, I'm sorry, I may have butchered your pronouns. I hope that you are a Ms. And please feel free to email me and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, uh, they say, eventually I discovered Lucy Lennox, MM, Small Town, Romances, and devoured every single one. Then I had an existential crisis when I ran out and ended up turning to one of her co-writers, Sloane Kennedy. I've now read her entire backlist too. Holy moly, I love whale readers. You are amazing. Um, when people go and read an entire backlist, I just think it's so fantastic. So um, there are very few people who I've read their entire backlist, but there are definitely authors who I like either intend to read their whole backlist or like I have read the majority of what they've read. V.E. Schwab being one of them, I have read the vast majority of her books um, and I am probably going to try and finish most of the rest of them this year. 
Okay, so this week's question is, uh, what is this week's question? Okay, right, this week's question is, what is the hardest thing you've done in your writing journey? And um, I ask that because of my personal update, which I'll come to in a moment. But first, the book recommendation of the week this week is Newsletter Ninja 2. If you give a reader a cookie, supercharge your author mailing list with the perfect reader magnet. Now, I um, I, I did pre-order this book and then uh, very kindly, uh, Tammy sent me a, an ARC copy uh, because I interviewed her the day before her book came out. So I sat and read it that evening it's a short book. It's a fantastic book. You can really see everybody drink <laughs> her strengths coming out because um, she has very high ideation and her book is jam-packed full of ideas for your reader magnet. So I just thought it was fantastic and um, yeah, really enjoyed that and I look forward to when the paperback comes out so I can get a copy and mark it all up. So yeah, highly recommend that. Okay, so personal update this week. Um, my audiobook is still on discount. So if you would like to get 13 Steps to Evil, How to Craft a Super Bad Villain in audio, then you can by buying direct from me and using the code FAB50. And I will, of course, leave a link to that in the show notes. So my personal update. I'm now recording a week a uh, week early, a day early. So instead of recording on Fridays, I'm recording on Thursdays now, which is going to give me my Friday back because I, I have sometimes meetings on Thursdays. And so it's nice for me to be able to um, have a whole day and also the day before the weekend. So I'm kind of going to use the day to work on whatever project I most want to, I think. And that is exciting to me. Uh, and also, you guys, I finished the fucking book. <laughs> I am so, so deliriously happy. Um, I have finished Trey. I sent it off to the editor last night. Four motherfucking years later, literally four years later, I sent the book to the editor. Oh my goodness me. There are so many lessons I've learned, so many things, so many ways I've grown. Never, ever, ever, ever will I ever let a book take that long. I will never get thrown into so many basements ever again. I have learned so much. Um, I, look, you guys know that I have had a tumultuous relationship with this book and I am still proud of it. Is it the best book it could ever be? Maybe not, but I'm okay with that. I tried really fucking hard, like to make it the best that I could possibly make it. And it's gone, it's done, I'm happy, the series is over, I can move on, I'm free. <laughs> Trying not to like burst into a song, you guys don't need your ears to bleed. Um, but yes, oh my goodness me, I think you can probably hear the delirium in my voice. Like the thing is, oh, why are writer brains such fuckers? Last night, um, I sent off the book probably about four or five o'clock and in the afternoon. And then by 10 p.m., I was a fucking wreck, like literally a mental wreck. I was spiraling so hard. I came back down to my computer at 11.30 at night and my dear friend, Helen, was like, back away from the computer. 
<laughs> and of course I was just spiraling. I was like, what if I can't write a better book? Like, what if I choose the wrong nonfiction book to write next? You know, all of this stuff, all of this bollocks and nonsense. Oh, what if I'm not good enough? I can't teach, I can't do this. And shut the fuck up, Sasha. Like, so boring, stop it. You're, it's all bollocks and nonsense. It's, it's just like the relief, I think, and the weight off my shoulders of completing that thing that was so hard. And that's why I've asked the question this week, like, what was the hardest thing you've done? By far, in a way, the hardest book I've ever written was Trey. Um, and so, yeah, oh, I am just, I'm so excited to embark on this new adventure. And, you know, I'm also excited because now I get to market um, that that series. I've kind of not really done anything with it because um, it wasn't complete. And I didn't, you know, because there were only two books in the series, I didn't feel like I could get a good return on my investment. I did, you know, I got ads working um, on Facebook at one point when it was in KU and stuff. And, you know, it's had readers, it's had a lot of readers, but I don't know. I just, I think that with all my yellow strengths, yes, you can all drink again. Um, I don't know, I have a fragile fucking ego. <laughs> like it's really hard and I'm a perfectionist and for all those things being great, they are also crippling and they can really ruin me and they can ruin my mindset and make me fear and not want to promote things. Um, not want me, not, they make me not want to promote my fiction and they make me say things I shouldn't say, like negative stuff, and I shouldn't do that. Um, it's wrong and it's stupid and I just shouldn't do it because it puts me in the wrong mindset. And I don't do it with my nonfiction because, I don't know, like there's no ego there. I am sharing the things that I've learned and tactics and methods that that I think would, would work. And so it comes, like my nonfiction comes from a very humble place. Whereas my fiction, I suppose in a way, is more of a legacy thing. And so that's fragile and it makes me vulnerable and I don't fucking like it. I like keeping my big shield and my armor on. And yeah, I don't know, maybe I'm chatting bollocks and you guys don't, 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 I don't know, maybe you can't, um, I don't know, maybe you can. Can you understand what I'm saying? Am I talking out of my ass? Do you, do you sympathize, empathize, whatever the correct word is? Can you, can you get where I'm coming from? I don't know. If anyone else feels like this ever, let me know so that I don't feel like I'm on my own on an island. <sighs> okay, so what, what now? Well, um, tomorrow I am going to treat myself to go into town and uh, do a little bit of shopping, fun for fun to celebrate. And then I'm going to go and buy a massive coffee the size of my face. And I'm going to sit down with a notepad and a pen and I'm going to think in silence on my own. It's going to be glorious. And I'm going to write stuff down and I'm going to plan and I'm probably then going to ignore all my plans, but I am going to, yeah, I'm going to just give myself some time and headspace uh, tomorrow. And then next week, I will be working on sorting out all of the launches. So we've got the Rebel Author Anthology launch, which is now coming up. And uh, we will, st I will start putting out lots of information uh, very soon. I just had to get this book off my plate. Um, and so of course, I will be planning the, the Trey and Sirens launch. And I'm going to be doing all the input for my next uh, nonfiction book, which I'm very, very excited about. And I will tell you about probably next time, I think. Um, so yeah, that is me in a nutshell. I think I've waffled on for long enough. So let's get on with the Rebel of the Week. So the Rebel of the Week this week is Anneli.
And Nelly says, when I started my first full-time job, it was in a very old-fashioned workplace in a very old-fashioned industry. I had a very menial job, but was hoping to get to do more challenging work in time. I quickly realised that as one of the girls, people tended to look at me whenever coffee was needed for a meeting. <gasps> oh, my hackles just raised. <laughs> I love live reacting to these because... <laughs> You guys can set my emotions off. I can like instantly rage on your behalf. I'm like, oh, hell fucking no. Um, since I didn't drink coffee, oh my God, this is even worse. Um, I simply decided not to learn how to handle the coffee machine. Yes! And claim that someone who drank coffee had to make the coffee or it wouldn't taste right. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Everyone else drank coffee and everyone, including the CEO, knew how to handle the coffee machine. So this worked beautifully. I worked there for several years and never had to take sole responsibility for the refreshments at meetings. I fucking love that rebellion. I love it, one, because it's about coffee. <laughs> and two, because too fucking right. Who the fuck do they think they are? Like, especially if you don't drink coffee. But also, fuck the patriarchy. Um, so yeah, anyway, love that rebellion. Thank you so much for sending that in. If you would like to be a rebel of the week, please do send in your stories. I, I love them. I love them so much. They bring me so much joy reading them out on the show. Um, and, it, and it really truly can be any kind of rebellion. It can be something big, something small. Maybe it's something your husband or wife or spouse did. You can email your rebel story to Becca on rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, a massive whopping thank you to Jennifer Kane and Pia Gasberg. Pia has joined at the Rebel Readers Masterclass, um, Rebel Readers group level. So very exciting. You can get access to all of the old classes and we have a group uh, film movie night uh, next week on the 7th. 18th of February, I want to say. Well, it's in Patreon anyway. Um, and both of you have joined at the Slack level. So come on over and join the community. You should have all of that information in your inboxes. A enormous thank you to all of my existing patrons. You guys know I love you. If you would like to support the show and get early access to all of the episodes, as well as bonus content and goodies and Slack group and, and Rebel Readers masterclasses, then you can from as little as $2 a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. Alrighty, that is it from me. So let's get on with the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, we have naughty returning rebel, Emma Byrne. Emma is an honest-to-goodness robot scientist who, when she's not developing intelligent systems, writes for Forbes, the Financial Times, and Global Business Magazine. She is the co-host and executive producer of Nonfic Pod, and frequently appears on Sky News and the BBC talking about the future of artificial intelligence and robotics. Hello, and welcome back. Hi, I'm so thrilled to be back. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for coming back. So for listeners, Emma was on episode 73, which was back almost exactly. And in fact, when this airs, it will be all but one day to the letter of a year since you were on the show, which is, and I have actually scheduled that 
purposely because I thought it was funny for you to come back exactly a year later. So yeah, episode uh, 73. And we were talking about why swearing is good for you, um, which of course it is absolutely fabulously good for you. And you should just throw out your fucks and shits and uh, go off and listen to that fucking episode. So... (laughs) I feel like coming back for my one year fuck anniversary. It's uh, yes. brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So this will be another very sweary uh, episode. But would you like to tell everyone what you've been up to since you were on the show a year ago? Yeah. So the next nonfiction book came out. The natural progression from swearing was obviously parenthood. Um, so how to build a human came out and it became so apparent to me. I mean, I'd known anyway from talking to my many author colleagues in the world that the last two years have been shit for anyone launching a book. And I'll talk a bit when we're talking about professional networks, but the number of people I know who debuted in either 2020 or 2021 who have had the most direct time. And so when the second book came out and I realised what a different, different experience I was having when the first one came out in terms of live events, in terms of the news being open to having some sort of slightly more lighthearted episodes. We have no room for lighthearted right now uh, in terms of being able to actually meet people face to face and make those connections. All of that vanishing has been painful in the Mm. extreme. Mm. So the last year definitely has been a steep learning curve in learning a different way of both marketing a book and myself as an author and broadcaster, but also learning how to help others in that same situation, particularly those who didn't have a pre-pandemic publication experience, who've never had that experience of going out into festivals and who are now maybe getting their first ever invitations to come and speak at events and are going, Oh no, people in a room, me, no. So yeah, I'm I'm here to say if you can't do it safely, people in a room is actually one of the best things about being an author. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. I think we're at this strange point in time where like I don't and, and this definitely isn't the case for for everybody, but for me, I've I've just been in survival mode. So like for eight months, my son didn't go to school, literally eight back to back months. I had him at home trying to run a business mm-hmm. like and that was my, my my business is my sole income. Like, that's it. I have my billet. So the fact that I was having to homeschool him and do fucking like six hours of fucking worksheets or whatever the bullshit was that was being sent home, um, you know, in amongst trying not to throttle each other. And that really did go both ways. Um, it was just about survival. Just get to the yes. next day, just get to the next day, just just survive today, survive today. And yes. I, I actually think <laughs> a lot of us are crashing and burning now. Yeah, like, for and, sure. And, and I don't necessarily mean like physically, I just mean like the mental toll because a lot, some people crashed and burned immediately because like their connections were cut off or, you know, um, they were sent home and they're people, people and, um, you know, or whatever. So lots of people were like not productive then. I'm actually finding that like I am now swimming through like mental, I don't know, agitation. Treacle? Oh, yeah, yes. treacle. Yeah. Like I, I've I've yo-yoed, like I've been really steady. It's like I'm one of these people that can cope in a in a what's it called? Like a 
like a stressful situation. Yeah. yeah. But then the minute the pressure lifts off, I then deflate. And I mm-hmm. feel like that's what's happening to me now. But I mean, obviously, you know, I'm still like working or whatever. But yeah, I definitely like I've got a few friends that are just now that pressure is is yeah anyway it feels like the emotional the psychological yeah. the cognitive overdraft yes that I've been up against the limit of for the last two two years that suddenly the bank of my inner resources has gone we're going to start charging you for this yeah exactly <laughs> exactly which is when like a professional network comes in really handy because you have yeah. those good friends like like what the fuck is going on you know <laughs> is this normal yeah so here's the strange thing about the pandemic right so and we're already tangenting i knew this was going to happen we're <laughs> We love a good chinwag, don't we? Um, so what I what I have found in terms of communication with other people, pre-pandemic, I was like hard and fast texter only. Don't fucking call me because I'm not going to pick up the phone. Like I will not pick up. I'll get on a Zoom with you any day of the week. Come on, let's let's go with the Zoom. Text only. Don't call me. I hand when my when my like when mutual sort of family friends call, I just hand the phone to my wife and she deals with it because I just don't pick up the phone. People don't even bother calling me now. And um, but you know what I do do? I voice memo. I don't text anymore. I voice memo because it's a connection. Mm-hmm. And isn't that weird? That is totally like. And the first time that happened to me in my DMs, I was like, the fuck? Who voice memos in an Instagram DM? <laughs> and now that's all I do. And I think it's something to do with that connection and that kind of like building a stronger connection with others and other professionals, which is a great segue. You see where I went there? Yeah, yeah, I don't. Into, awesome. yeah, yeah. into my first question for you, which is, why is okay like what is a professional network and like why is it so important what does it even look like like what do you mean when you say a professional network yeah I mean there are as many different types of professional networks as there are different types of authors and I would say I probably belong to a couple of different ones so when it comes to non-fiction writing I run for the Society of Authors their London non-fiction meetups and that's fantastic. And it, one of the things about the pandemic means that because it's been on Zoom, we now have people who are joining from outside London and even outside the UK. But that's very much a place of um, mutual support, a place where people go to talk about their progress, to ask very specific questions. It's a bit cheerleady, but it's that kind <laughs> of a um, if you sort of imagine if any of you have ever worked in the corporate world, I did do a few years in the corporate world, but that sort of idea of a business breakfast, you know, once a month you go to some horrible sort of mid-range travel lodge type thing and all sort of meet up and just sort of go, how are things with you? And so there's nothing explicitly mentoring about that. It's very unstructured. We literally just hop on a Zoom once a month and talk to one another and go into little breakout groups. And it's just enough to remind ourselves, I think, that we're all going through something similar. And the most important thing about that kind of network is, is people doing very similar things, all writing nonfiction, but at different stages in the cycle and at different stages in their career. So people who are on, you know, who have had a book or two or three published can 
help those who are writing their first proposal. People who have had seven or eight books published can talk about, you know, is it time to maybe renew your relationship with an agent? Uh, people who've been, it's a great conversation that came up in the last one was someone who'd been approached by TV rights people wanting to make a, a series based on their book and two people going, I have horror stories. And I was like, right, you guys are going in a breakout room then. So that's sort of fairly ad hoc and unstructured. The other one I'd say that um, is, again, very much focused on nonfiction, but is a lot more, um, it's broader and it's slower to grow and it's very, very, very structured, is non-fic pod. And I don't know whether you consider Rebel Author to be part of your professional network. I consider it to be part of mine, just by listening to it and being part of your community, that that this podcast is part of my professional network. Your voice is, is one that works for me. And on Nonfic Pod, we get on authors not just to talk about their books, but about the process of writing, specifically nonfiction. And that, the professional network around that are the publicists, the publishers, uh, the people who put together the, the sales calendars for each of those bookshops. And over time, I'm realizing that I now have a whole bunch of people who I can drop an email and go, who do you think would be good for, you know, the sort of October to December slot? Or we're really looking for some kids non-fic. Who have you got? And rather than wading through all of that myself, I can go and ask those people for their expert input. And that is a wonderful thing. And then the final thing is the, um, I'm putting an event together for the summer called Wild Words Festival, which is broader still and is for all kinds of writers, performers, actors, anyone who loves the written or spoken word. And that was born out of a want to give back some live space to people who have either been out of it for a long time or particularly I'm prioritizing people who debuted in the last two years and just say, look, if you've never done this, if you feel like you missed your shot, then join us for this and talk in front of a friendly, passionate audience about your book, about your project, and also talk to other people, you know, the green room at any public speaking event, any literary festival, any science festival, the green room is definitely part of that professional networking thing. So yeah, that you need one of these, you need a professional network basically for that sense of mutual support. So yeah, I'd say normalcy and structure, ability to access brains outside your own, you know, you need a hive mind and essentially just expo exposing yourself I would really like to have another swing at that one, not exposing yourself <laughs> to others, um, but reaching other audiences. You know, it's astounding how much things like crime fiction and romance, you know, the, the audiences overlap. And so having that, um, those sort of slightly overlapping Venn diagrams of the networks you're involved in can really help. And it keeps what you're doing quite fresh as well. Yeah, it's interesting thinking about the podcast as a, as a network builder, but it, it is in a way because it certainly breaks the ice. So I have a reason to contact people who maybe I wanted to contact for other reasons, right? So like I can think of a few people who I've reached out to of late and I don't mean it in a Machiavellian way, but they are people who I find interesting and would like to communicate with more. 
purely from the fact that I find them fascinating and want to know more. And so having the podcast is gives me a reason to be like, oh, let me help you promote X, Y and Z while also helping my audience because here's a load of tips guys about how you can improve or do something better but Mm -hmm. then you know once you've had somebody on the show there is that lingering connection because it only takes one more email or one more reach out and then you know you've got kind of a permanent connection they're not likely to forget you you know especially like when you're on when you're face to face and stuff so I don't think I'd ever really thought about it but yeah I do think that this is like a huge part of my ability to network because I have a way to help listeners, to help guests, to help myself. Cause I get to learn and grow like just from, from talking to other people. Um, but I, there's so many questions that I wanted to bring up based on what you said. Let, let's say, so, so a lot of the, um, so a couple of the things that you mentioned came from being part of a society. So like, How else can people build a network? Let's say you can't afford the 100 quid a year membership. Like how else can people build a network? How can you meet people, especially in this day and age where like events are only just starting to come back? Absolutely. Um, A really useful resource is Meetup. So having a look to find your either geographically local or something that's hosted on Zoom, but a group of other writers. And the most important thing, particularly if you're just starting out, is to recognise that other authors are not your competition. They're your colleagues. Netflix is your competition. So extent, podcasts are a bit your competition. Um, The movies are your competition. When people buy books and enjoy them, they then go out and buy other books. Everybody knows what a book lover's bookshelf looks like. It is not just one book. So (laughs) never be afraid of approaching these groups and then thinking, well, we all have to side eye one another and, you know, someone else's success is going to be my failure. Authorship is not a zero sum game. It really isn't. And the romance lot get this. Um, I have friends in the Romance Novelist Association and they totally understand that their customer base is enthusiastic, loyal to the genre, but also passionately profligate in their embracing of new authors. And they do so much to lift one another up. And when you see people who are being successful in the genre you want to be successful in, read everything that they say about who they worked with, where they know people. I mean, we all know that there are certain universities and certain courses that develop a ready-made network if you have the the wherewithal to go on those courses. This industry is so small. Like, if you, it is a really, like a lot of industries are small, but this industry is really small and the connections between trad and indie are tighter than we think. Cause quite often people think, Oh, well, you know, they're different boats in the same ocean kind of thing, Uh but actually there are so many ladders between the boats and people are connected to people who you don't realize. Like literally this morning I found out somebody, I'm going to try and keep it anonymous. Somebody that I know is the daughter of somebody else that I know, both of whom are in different sections of the industry. And I was like, wait, what? What? (laughs) Yeah, like, what? (laughs) um, But 
And you know, that's partly to do with the fact that publishing actually employs a lot of people. I know. Both right? trad and indie. You know, yeah. when you think of how, again, most of your listeners are going to know this, but the people involved in making a book, it's not the, just the author with the name on the front. You know, the other way of looking at who is in pe- people's professional networks is look at the acknowledgements at the back. Mm. And of course, it's always the family. I always do that. I'm yeah. so nosy. And you, you can't like sort of go, hi, I'd like to join your family. They sound very supportive, although, you know, sometimes one might. But yeah, just things like, you know, these are my authors and this is, you know, this these are the events that we go to. Um, going to anything that's either free or cheap, that is a writing group, a book club, a readers group, do any of those things and go into it with the idea that you can be mutually supportive, that you are not going into that to compete. So it's not how much you pay to join that organization. It is how much sort of sweat equity you're willing to put in. And what, what, like, what does that look like? What is sweat equity? How can you support each other? So sometimes, and particularly if it's early on in your own career, that is as simple as saying, hey, that sounds awesome. I'll tell my friends all about it. Your new book sounds amazing. I promise I'll tell your friends. And then when you do, you know, BCC the author. Say, look, you know, I just sent sent this to my friends saying I met you and your book sounds amazing and that's great. Sometimes it can be something, you know, as simple as just saying, I really read your book and I enjoyed it, you know, or I heard you on such and such a radio show or such and such a podcast and you, you were great. I'm not talking about blowing smoke up people's asses, but showing that you are, you know, that you recognize that they've put that work in. If you are at sort of my stage, I, I still consider myself very early stages, but, you know, fortunate enough to have an agent, fortunate enough to have some contacts in the industry. That's when you start, handing around those contacts essentially judiciously you know and never just give out somebody's email to somebody else I will make introductions I'm very Mm. I'm very careful of people's time and so someone says you know I'm really looking for someone who might be interested in this sort of thing that I'm writing sometimes I won't straight away say yes I know exactly who you should talk to I might say let me have a think about it and I'll email who I'm considering and say I have someone who it has a proposal at this sort of stage would you be willing to take a look at it that's more effort from me than just handing over an email address but it means that the people that I'm introducing to don't get overwhelmed don't just go oh god Emma's sending me another person and the people that I'm doing the introducing don't end up wasting their time chasing a dead end so that's what I also kind of mean by sweat equity is is actually being quite conscious of Mm. the connections that you're fostering I I love that because um I have I it's funny I have a um sort of friend in the industry who does that a lot and in seeing them do it I started to do it Mm-hmm. And because I, you know, I didn't even, I was like, oh, this is such a good idea. Like, this is a great person who I've met now because of like our mutual, mutual contact. And so I quite often will spot where there are um, like similarities or what's the word? Well, not similarities, where there are synergies um, yes. and where I think people might get on or where they're doing a project maybe that's similar and they could support each other or whatever. I think that's such a, you know, because everybody wins, everybody mm-hmm. wins. You're building your network. You're being helpful to other people. The two people that you're connecting are 
you know, benefiting as well because they're growing that network, probably getting support or, or, you know, whatever. So I think that is a great, uh, a great example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what kind of mistakes, like, have you made mistakes um, or have you seen other people make mistakes when trying to grow like a network? Yeah, I would say that the biggest one we've already touched on, which is seeing authorship, seeing the the life of being an author as being part of a zero-sum game, of being in competition with other authors. It's just nonsense. Um, and looking at your bookshelf behind you, and, and yes, I nobody only buys one book. And if you lead people who might enjoy your book to another book that they're going to enjoy, they're going to trust your recommendations. They're going to trust you more as an author. I mean, that makes it sound a lot more mercenary than it is. But when you think about how passionate we most of us are about what we're reading and how passionate we are, at least at some stages of the project, about what we're writing, sharing both of those sorts of passion is really useful. It is not a zero-sum game. Another mistake is to go in with to a brand new network, completely unannounced, particularly an established one, just straight away with an ask. Mm. It's okay to do an ask fairly early on, but get to know the group and demonstrate that you are not going to do the thing where you come in, ask for the thing, and then drop straight back out again. Um, Sometimes that means sort of going along for one or two sessions. Sometimes that might mean emailing the organizer and saying, hi, I'd like to come. I do also have this question. Is it okay to raise that at the first meeting? And more often than not, people will say, yes, absolutely, please do ask the question. But if you imagine that sort of sense of someone knocking on your door and you open it, someone goes, hi, we're in the neighborhood. Would you like double glazing? It's a massive interruption. Whereas someone who you at least know, who's been in your network a little bit, asking for something or asking about something is much more likely to be better received. And I, well, I mean, a lot of that is to do with some very boring and basic neuroscience about the need to sort of pick each other's ticks off a bit before we start you know, doing each other's favours, because uh, we are you know, basically primates. <laughs> so don't go straight in with an ask. And then I think the other one is... The inverse of that is never, ever leaning on your network, never, ever going. And I am terrible for this. Never, ever going, guys, I'm doing this thing and it's really important to me and I need to get some traction. So so I'm learning as I'm getting older, becoming much more confident about saying, hey, we did this thing together before. Can we do another thing together now? And I can see what might be in it for you, but there's also a massive thing in it for me. It does that trade-off work for you. So it, mm. so I'm still, I still don't go in and just completely go, hey, do me a favor. Um, I'm more of a, I have a pro- proposition, <laughs> I have a proposal. Um, yeah. So making the mistake of never asking or never putting forward a proposal that considers your own needs and only going in there to serve others. I think that's also a danger. Um, really good networks are strengthened by reciprocity. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned neuroscience in there and we all have different brains. But I think when it comes to social stuff, generally speaking, we can be classed as either introverts or extroverts, or we can be classed as outgoing or shy. And sometimes you've got a shy extrovert and sometimes you have an outgoing introvert and vice versa. But for those people who are on the shyer end of 
the spectrum. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have to them? Because I, having moved in the pandemic, I think it was June 2020, we moved. I have found it incredibly hard to make friends. Yes. Yeah. I, it is now, what, what is the date? It is the 2nd of February, 2022. I shit you not, I'm going for my first coffee on Friday. So it has taken me almost two years to even find somebody to have a coffee with. Uh, Nobody tells you how hard it is to make friends as an adult. Like no no one talks about that. It is totally different to making friends as a kid. As a kid, you just run up and say, can I play? And the kids go, yeah, here's the ball. Right. (laughs) But how do you do that with adults? There is no game to go and join. (laughs) There is no no ball to chuck at each other. How, (laughs) like, what advice do you have for that? I don't know, maybe introducing yourself or like, especially for those people who do struggle more with that kind of being slightly more outgoing. Yeah. What would you say to them? So there's a number of ways of dealing with it. And I would say that there aren't that many people who choose writing as a profession because they're massively gregarious um, because it's not a brilliant job for people who get their energy from being around other people Mm -hmm. um, because you spend so much of it alone. And it is very difficult. Like as adults, we might make friends in the workplace, but outside of that, it's incredibly hard. So there are a couple of ways of doing it. If you're up for in-person stuff or Zoom stuff, like I said, something like Meetup is very useful. You can also go to some of the Society of Authors local meetups without being a member of the society. It's definitely worth looking at their page and looking at the genres that you're into as well and seeing if they have you know, just like a drinks thing near you or an online thing. And and the the amount of Zoom stuff now means that you have a much better chance of being able to attend something no matter where you're living. But the other thing is asynchronous ways of working together, you know, finding writing groups online, even in if you can avoid some of the sinkholes of Reddit, you know, so various genre specific places within Reddit. Um, and I again showing my age here probably slightly, but even on Twitter, don't be, don't underestimate the power of essentially whatever the adult version of can I play is on something like Twitter or Insta of just you know saying, wow, your event looks cool. Gosh, this is awesome. Um, you know, I there are friends that I have made that I think I probably first met through you know, sharing a GIF reaction to some good news of theirs. And it's, yeah, you don't have to be even seeing people's faces or using your mouth hole to do words. Uh, if it, yes, if this is all too much stress, as it often is. Um, you know, things like uh, online, you know, writers groups. And I don't know how many of your listeners dabble in or have written like a lot in fandom but there are some very deep and sincere professional mutually supporting groups that emerge out of fandom and these can be people who have never met each other and don't even know each other's real names actually going to a place to see people in meet space can be overrated if that's not your thing that said, 
if you're looking at promoting your work, so this is different to the professional network side of things. If you're looking at promoting your work, there is a lot to be said for actually showing up in spaces. Mm. And my trick for that, the best thing that I found for dealing with that is realizing that I've written this stuff because here was an idea here. For, for me, it's nonfiction. And for story writers, here's a story, here's some plots, here's some characters that will not let me go. It's got me and, it, and I, I'm passionate about it. And there is a good chance that there are at least, you know, a few thousand people in the world who will feel equally passionate and equally excited about the same thing as you. And if you're in a room with those people, they are going to love to hear what you're, what you're saying. They're going to love to hear about how that story came about, where those characters come from, what inspired you. So for me, it always helps to think about the talks that I've enjoyed as an audience member and how enthused and uplifted I've been when someone has taken the time to say, I had this idea and then I did this and I found out some more stuff and then I wrote it like this and yeah, just sort of go, oh, wow, that's amazing and fascinating and I didn't know that that could happen or oh that's an interesting fact about the brain or the best thing about recording non-fic pod is I just get to basically quiz people about the most random stuff like the most recent one was on you know, how you decide what creatures to to save in terms of conservation and ecology and how those decisions get to be made and it's like hey did, I get to just pick the brains of a natural history expert for for 45 minutes the the thing about authors is there's always that tendency to, to have a very delayed reaction to our work from the public and to wait to see, you know, if people are going to like it. Whereas when you've got an audience in front of you, that reaction comes back to you immediately. And I would just say, don't be scared of that. Try to apply the same sort of mechanisms you do, which is either, you know, only looking at the positive reviews or not looking at reviews at all or recognizing that there are at least you know your book is not for everyone it's for its audience and your audience loves it and recognize that whatever happens in a, a real life space sorry real life is the wrong word here a, a physical space is going to be much gentler usually much kinder than what happens online so if you can survive having your work commented on online you can survive having a group of people who spent their time and their money to bother to show up to hear you speak, hearing you speak, because they're there because they want to hear from you. And I have to basically say that to myself every time before I go on stage, usually while looking around to see if there's a handy bin to throw up in. Um, but yeah, if you are invited to speak in an event and you can make that happen for you, give it a try. Do it with, you know, and start small if that works for you and ask for accessibility stuff. This is something that we need to be much, much better as at as an industry. Things like childcare, relaxed performances, BSL interpreters, accessible venues. These should all be a standard. And if people are asking for your time as an author to speak to an audience, that it is absolutely right that you as an author are asking that your needs be met. So I would say that as well. In terms of making friends, though, 
um, as opposed to speaking, I think mm. some of the things that have made the biggest impact on me are walking in wearing something that makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. So like when I so let's say if I'm going to London Book Fair, I'm not there to speak necessarily. I'm just there to network or or listen to talks or to meet people. But if I go in and I feel confident in my skin um, I'm more likely, especially as an as a socially awkward person, I am more likely to be able to go up to somebody and um, ask them something. There's a few things that I do to prepare. So let's take London Book Fair as a really good example. London Book Fair is quite good because it provides a um, ability for you to see who is going. So Mm -hmm. there is a list of people. And also, if you're in any of the larger Facebook groups online, somebody will invariably post who's going to London Book Fair. And then Mm -hmm. there's a giant thread of people saying, you know, I'm going, I'm going or whatever. Preparing and having a list of people that you want to meet reassures me because I know that I'm going and I've got a mission and I know who it is that I'm looking for. And sometimes I will have pre, well, certainly now I now pre-book coffees or whatever, but even on that first, second instance, it was like, oh, well, I know that this person's going to be there. I'm going to intentionally bump into them and just talk to them and say hello or whatever. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is that everybody loves to talk about themselves. So um, so I know that you were, you were sort of saying that people want to listen to you talk, but for me, like, being quite socially awkward. I don't want to talk. I want to listen to other people. So one of the things that I do is I prepare like a list of conversation starters. And I know that must sound ridiculous to somebody who like can just come up with them off the top of their head, but I can't, I freeze in those kinds of situations. So like I literally go onto Google (laughs) and I'm like, what are good conversation starters? Or like if I'm in a um, talk and and the talks come to the end and, you know, there's a group of people around me, then I'm like, oh, well, what did you think of the talk? And I just give people a space to talk about themselves, mm. you know, and there's always things that you can ask authors. What are you working on? What was <laughs> the last book you read? Right. Because mm-hmm. we're all readers and we're all writers. So it's yeah. very easy to find things that will be mutually like appreciated in terms of like, yeah, what are you writing? What are you reading? Do, have you already published? Like, are you, do you want to write full time? Like these are all questions that you can ask that will elicit answers and people will just talk because mm. people get nervous and they'll just babble. Like that's what I do anyway. <laughs> yes, and, same. and the other thing, like, cause I'm exactly the same as you. I will like, even if I like, so the first time I went to London book fair, I obviously didn't know anybody from anybody. And I was throwing up outside just racked with nerves because I was going into a giant building with 25,000 people in it. Um, and I phoned my dad and my dad is like this insanely charming person. And I'm like, like, dad, like, how do you do it? Like, why are you so charming? Like, what, how do you get people to talk to you? Because like, we'll, I will be in a room and people will just flock to him. It's like, he's a magnet. I don't understand. And he said to me, it's really simple. And I was like, okay, right, go on. Like, there's no way it's simple. What is it? And he was like, no, trust me. He was like, you're going to hate hearing this. And I was like, okay. He was like, you smile. And I was Mm. like, oh. He was like, honestly, if if you look up and don't look at the floor and you smile, people will want to talk to you or mm. like you'll catch people's eyes and they'll like smile and stuff so like, yeah, there are really simple things that you can do that will help. Um, 
and just like linking back to the whole being in the in COVID and how hard I found it here. We were wearing masks. You can't yeah. fucking smile if you're wearing a fucking mask. Nobody, I, you know, you, you can't I tell. So long laughing at the notion of smizing in the like late nineties and early two thousands. I really wish I'd nailed it now because it's been for those young people. This was was it America's Next Top Model, and smizing was the whole. You have to smize. You have to smile with your eyes. Oh, I never yes, learned yes, how yes. to smize. So hey, I, Tara. Tyra Banks. Tyra Banks, that's it. Tyra Banks. Tyra Banks, yes. So, yes, I I rue the fact that I didn't spend the the early aughts practicing smizing in a mirror because it would have worked the last two years. Whereas, yeah, it's been really difficult. So difficult. Um, What do you think of business cards? Do you still have business cards? I do. And um, interestingly, I... um, quite often leave the back blank Mm -hmm. because then I can write something down to help me remember um like who they are or yeah so yeah I do I do tend to collect business cards I don't I don't know that they are they they are a a thing to connect you to somebody else they're more of a tool than they are like necessarily super useful because Mm -hmm. if somebody is if I am going to connect with somebody like based off of a conversation, I'm probably going to follow them on social media now. Like social media is your business card. Right. Uh And that's why it's so important that you brand your social media and your tone and your, this content that you're putting out is relevant to who you are and what it is that you're selling. But um, yeah, I, I definitely still have business cards. The other thing that I often do is I'll put like, I now have um, podcast business cards with a QR code on the back. Uh So if I meet people, I'm just like, oh, yeah, like listen to the podcast and you can get it right here because here's the QR code. That's a very good idea. I give out shiny stickers for the podcast. I love that. I love Love a shiny sticker. Everyone loves um, a sticker. Yeah, for swearing is good for you. I had pencils made with swearing oh, is good it. for you on them, uh, which is great because now um, my kids use them for doing the home learning. Oh, you can't see it. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's brilliant. It's really brilliant. Um, so yeah, a box of 200 pencils is surprisingly cheap to have printed. I do still hand out business cards, but I have a tendency to say, would you like a bit of obsolete technology? Yeah. <laughs> so be equally sort of self-conscious. It's like, do, are we doing business cards? And that was pre-pandemic. Whereas now it is that thing that you want something. I want something from people that I'm going to find in the bottom of my bag in a few days time and go, oh, yeah, I really meant to contact that person. Yeah, yeah. So something physical I find helps. But yeah, honestly, I just giving out pencils or badges. Everybody loves badges, badges, stickers, pencils. I mean, fuck it. Fuck business cards. Yeah, there's I know um, uh, Derek Murphy uh, is an author, a networker. He has the Alliance of Young Adult something, something, something um, on Facebook, which is this enormous like networking group for young adult authors and when he's at conferences he hands out badges with the yeah. with the facebook group like and i think it's genius because you don't mm. yeah you don't forget it you just clip it to the bag and then you remember afterwards i think that's a great idea so yeah, like, i've thinking- been i've been using a site called badges for bands since about 2001 and they don't just do badges for bands but they do this really good thing where you can get uh you can order 
like up to four designs in a pack of 50 or something and it, it's great so then people can choose which of your badges they want as well so that's I'm that. not in no way affiliated to badges commands <laughs> it's just they've been going since about at least 2001 uh back when I used to be in a band called Tabby Looking Cat oh, a long time ago <laughs> before YouTube thank god um so yeah I I yeah highly recommend pin badges they're surprisingly affordable um and I think probably have a higher hit rate than cards for yeah. reminding people that you had a conversation and that they might want to reconnect with you. I might have to get some uh, rebel author ones. So, oh, for sure. Let, okay. So we think you should send them to all your guests. <laughs> <laughs> so we've introduced ourselves to new people. We have we've made given them contact. Yeah. We've given them merch. Especially in the times of COVID, how do you then maintain that relationship like, and foster it and nurture it? Mm. I think for me, I found having that, ugh, that sort of social brain, and it's not always instantaneous. Sometimes I need to do a bit of research. But if someone says to me, for example, I've just done a talk down in Southampton, um, a thing called wire wool events. They do loads of things with uh, female authors or women authors. And, you know, she's the person who organized that has now come back to me and gone, and who else do you recommend? And I think these are ready-made opportunities for refreshing, meaningfully refreshing some of those contacts. There are people who I've met who, if there's anyone I can think of that I've met that would be suitable for this, it's an excuse to get in contact. Mm. You know, I know you're not based in Southampton, but this is really good and worth traveling for. What do you reckon? And not necessarily manufacturing reasons to stay in contact, but making sure that whenever there is a good reason that I, that I avail myself of it for two reasons. First of all, that person will benefit hopefully from that introduction they, they're going to know that there is an opportunity there for them to speak that they can take if it, or not. And the person organising the event is potentially going to get a speaker. So they both benefit. But also I've reminded that person of my existence. And the next time someone's saying, do you know of an impossibly tall, slightly weird woman who could come and be in this show for a bit? They might remember my email address. We're now the kind of person who recommends events to one another. Are you tall? You know? I'm tall. How tall I'm are you? Tall. I'm a little over 5'10". Oh, wow. Not I am these fascinated days. by height and, and tall people. Uh, I always think I should have been tall and I'm not. I'm I really just sure. assumed you were. Maybe it's the chair. Those who it's my personality, it. darling. I mean, it I is a, so much it's a throne. <laughs> it is a purple velvet throne. It is the, the seat of authority. I it adore is. it. it. I'm afraid I'm like uh, five foot five, so I am not tall at all. Uh, I am distinctly average on the height uh, on the height front. Well, you give out tall girl vibes, so <laughs> I do have some astonishingly astonishingly high heels, though, which definitely put me in the region of five ten. So awesome, <laughs> awesome. Um, so I've got a couple of patron questions, and the first one is um, from Audrey, who says. And I think you're. I think I know the answer to this one. Would you recommend author events? And if so, what have been your favourite events in the past or present? And are there any events you're looking forward to um, in 2022? So I'm also going to answer this one. But 
I think this is the perfect segue into um, you talking about your event. So yeah, hit me so, with it. So Audrey, awesome question. First of all, would I recommend daughter events? I would. I really would because you don't just get to connect with your audience. You get to connect with other authors. It's always nerve wracking. I've yet to meet anyone who says they unequivocally love it. I'm sure they are out there and they're probably just too embarrassed to admit <laughs> that they freaking love it. Um, I... I don't think I have a favourite. I really enjoyed Stylist Live because I had a whole room of about, I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, about 300 women all yelling, fuck that shit about each other's. So I, basically at the beginning, I was like, write down something that's really irritating you, really fucking you off, and then screw it up and just put it on the ground. And it was Jessica Fosterkew who was the essentially the, the person interviewing me during the event. And at the end, we got people, to, all the women in this room to just hurl these rolled up bits of paper with their frustrations and their anger at the stage. And we would read each one out that we managed to catch and get the whole room to yell, fuck that shit. So oh my God, that's amazing. That the, the last two we read out were Harvey Weinstein and Peppa Pig. And it was just <laughs> like, you couldn't ask for better bathos. I swear, if you were there, we didn't rig it. Um, but the number of women who came up to me afterwards went, I, would ne- I just, I never... I would never say to my girlfriends, I fucking hate this. I'm having a terrible time and expect that, you know, it's all like good vibes only. Let's be positive. Having 299 other women or going, yeah, no, that fucking sucks was surprisingly empowering. So, so I have a soft spot for that one. But the one that I'm massively looking forward to in 2022, I'm not actually speaking at, I'm organizing. So there is a space for a literary festival for people who don't do the haze and the the sort of more Fortnum and, if, if Fortnum and Mason is the hay festival this is the local farmers market basically <laughs> we've got some incredible authors so Lizzie Damalola Blackburn who has written um, a book her debut comes out in March called Yinka Where Is Your Husband and it is essentially a South London I think Nigerian take on Pride and Prejudice. It's fucking awesome. It's it's like, oh, it's so good. I've had a review copy of it and I, I just, I inhaled it and I'm in love with the characters. We've got people who are doing, um, you know, like why noir is still so compelling and why even when life is shit, there's still this desire to read this sort of grim dark stuff. We have people about why romance is so uplifting and so comforting. We have a brilliant panel on what crime and romance have in common psychologically. We have a session where your kids can make their own comic books and tell their own stories. We have Annabelle Sammy, who is an amazing kids author, who does one of my daughter's favourite books, Llama Out Loud. We have an intergenerational silent disco. We have interactive theatre where you can get to run a colony on Mars. Um, We have a group of people who do science communications through tabletop roleplay gaming. So if you've ever wanted to learn about science while also doing a sort of Dungeons and Dragons type thing, you can do that. And it's all in a field outside Potter's Bar, which um, ah, feels like it's, yeah, it feels like it's in the middle of nowhere. It's beautiful and peaceful, but it's actually accessible by Oyster Card. And I mentioned earlier about accessibility. I'm fucking passionate about this. So we have BSL interpreters, um, relaxed performances as standards. If you've got any kind of, if you're a member of any kind of access schemes, like the Access or the Cinemas card, or I think Hint is the Welsh one. 
is it hint i probably got the name of that wrong or blue badge scheme anything uh just you know let us know that and you can access accessible parking and free companion ticket all of our facilities are accessible i'm having no bullshit about you know there being different types of toilets for different types of people there are lots of lovely big individual toilets and if you need them for baby changing you know adult changing whatever they are available i just basically i feel doing anything else feels like building a building and then saying if anyone shows up with a wheelchair then we'll put in a ramp and i'm mm-hmm. i'm so not here for accessibility as an afterthought so all of the things i've ever wanted in a festival i am putting into this one and it's called wild words festival and it's the jubilee weekend and anyone who is listening, that? that is the third to the fifth of june which I didn't realise when I booked it. Um, there will be a Jubilee Big Lunch for those who wish to partake in in, in such things, um, but it's not it's not going to be particularly royalist. Um, I, I, yes, I feel like too much of a rebel myself to to particularly want to celebrate the monarchy, but any excuse for a Victoria sponge, um, and we can raise money for Book Trust as well. Uh, and anyone who listens to Rebel Author Podcast gets 10% off with the code REBEL because you guys are amazing and I consider you part of my, also my extended professional network and every single patron that helps Rebel Author Podcast keep, go- keep going, thank you to you because, yeah, it's it's all part of what lifts us all up. Absolutely. I really appreciate that because my stepfather is paralysed from the neck down and so he is, you know, in a wheelchair all day, every day. And uh, yeah, so my mum, as the as the carer, obviously, like you know, gets gets the the free uh, the free ticket, but also has all the drama of trying to get him in and out of places. And quite often, they just don't go if they can't see like a- access for them. They'll just not go, which I think is awful and sad because they should be able to go to all of the things that I can go to as an able bodied person. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like thank you from me on their behalf that you are creating an event that is accessible to uh to everyone so yeah I really well, appreciate that and I've I got will... to give a massive shout out to Attitude is Everything who have done all of the research and development on making live music events accessible to capital D deaf communities and other people with access needs and just that if you are and and I would highly recommend again as part of building networks and and giving back to the community setting up even if it's just a small you know series of events or talks in your region in your neighborhood go to the attitude is everything website and look at their extremely helpful guidelines on how to make things accessible from the get-go it's so much easier than trying to bolt it on afterwards when you suddenly realize your venue isn't accessible or you don't know how to you know get bslt i mean yeah i i attitude is everything should be on every organizer's rolodex they are so good um out of curiosity are you half your based no, I'm actually based in West London, but I mean, it's I'm not far from Hertfordshire and my husband grew up in sort of the adjoining county of Barnet. I married oh, okay. a southerner, ladies and gentlemen. And um, yeah, but I just I went up there on the train the first time that I went to look at this field and I, I got off at a little station called Cuffley and you sort of walk up this hill and then all of a sudden, I, I mean, I don't know how well sort of people know Hertfordshire, but it's that weird thing that one minute you're in suburbia and then the next minute so you're not. 
<laughs> I live I have lived in Hopshire for half my life right. and Cuffley I have friends that live in Cuffley or friends that used to live in Cuffley and I know exactly which station you're talking about and exactly what hill you are talking about so that makes uh, that that's made my day I don't live in Hopshire anymore but um we like I say we only moved in 2020 and half my yeah. life was was there because that's where I went to university so yeah I love that and funnily enough I was born and my first few years of my life were in West London so Whoa. there we go look at all of that there for connection. we go so uh, massive yeah. <laughs> he's so small as well um, tiny uh, so uh, just to add to that some of my favorite events have been the London Book Fair which is a monstrous event but it is fantastic especially if you're an alliance of independent authors member because you um there's always a networking kind of party event there um and quite often they have a stand there they don't always but they do there's a like an indie author hq at london book fair so it's not wildly accessible to non-traditional authors but it's definitely getting better although what it will look like now post covid i'm not sure um the other ones that are fantastic for Indie authors um, are 20 books to 50K and they do events in Las Vegas. They also do events in, uh, they've done two events in the UK. Uh, I've been to the UK ones. They're doing one in Madrid and I think they occasionally do them in Australia slash New Zealand. I can't, I'm not, uh, don't know which ones they do, but they definitely do. And then there are bigger ones like Nink. Um, and if you're interested in a digital conference, then I am attending Becca Symes, uh, BeccaCon in July and that one. Well, I mean, you can, it's in Bozeman in Montana, but uh, I can't go there. So I am doing the digital version, um, in July. I think it's July. Yeah. July. Uh, and I think that's probably it. I don't know. No, I'm speaking. Oh, there's also SPF live. Um, which is Mark Dawson's event that's in June and London. And then I am speaking at the Festival of Writing uh, in September as well. Um, so yeah, I think that's all of the ones that I can think of off the top of my head. Events are happening again. Oh, I know. I Another one that I recommend purely on the strength of the uh, the excellent whiskey they serve in the green room is I Write, which is the Glasgow Literary Festival. Um, a brilliant networking event for authors and a wonderful place to go and talk. If you ever uh, just basically follow them on Twitter, if you are within anything like shouting distance or night train distance of Glasgow. Um, yeah, that is another really fun one where you will meet some incredibly friendly authors. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, okay, so I do have a last question from Judith, who says, how do you get friendly with other authors in your in her very limited genre? So it's a small niche, a small genre. And she's wondering how to get started trying to talk to other you know, writers in, in that specific genre. Ah, that is a fascinating question. And without knowing the genre, I'm not sure where that genre hangs out. Um, it's quite, I mean, in some ways it's quite easy with, with nonfiction because even though, you know, we, we cover everything from sort of history, memoir, um, you know, the science like I do, we all wind up in the British bloody library now and again. Um, so sometimes just sort of saying, hey, you know, let me know if you're going to the British library and I might be around and we'll do a coffee. If there is a place that your genre tends to meet up at, 
you know, like a forensics con, if it's something, some kind of true crime or whatever, whatever it is that that is the yearly event, be around that if you can. But also I say, if it's that small, don't underestimate the ability to just email people. This is one of the things that really freaking surprised me at when I moved from academia to writing for the general public. As an academic, I was so used to the fact that people would just email me and go, hello, I read your paper on such and such, and I want to know, you know, here's my list of nine questions. So used to that. And anything short of an interrogation by email, I tend to respond to quite warmly. And I think most authors do, particularly in a small genre where people do know one another. Um, I think yeah. that is the case probably more for nonfiction and ah. probably for indie authors. I have to right. say, and, and I'm not, I don't want, I want to be very careful of what I'm saying. There are, as a podcaster and somebody who pitches people, Uh I do not find authors to be that accessible unless they are indie authors or they are nonfiction authors. So I was quite surprised because this is what you're talking about is exactly what I did to you. I read your book and was like, because also your your original book on swearing is quite niche, right? It's quite a niche topic. And so I was like, oh, fuck it. I'm just I'm just going to email her. I didn't even expect a response. So I was actually quite pleasantly surprised that you emailed me back, let alone the fact that you came on the podcast the first time. Yeah. So I and now my podcast is bigger and longer running and has a larger audience. I am able to sprinkle in statistical information that is that is attractive to potential people to come on the show. And that has helped open the doors. But I have found sometimes there are gatekeepers. Interesting. But it depends who you email and and how you email and the tone of that email. But what Mm -hmm. I would say, like I completely agree with what you're saying for a niche, because what you can do is you can just go to Amazon and have a look at the, the books in your genre, then go to those authors' profiles on social media and start commenting or liking or sharing mm. and then drop into their inbox because it's like that subliminal recognition. If you it's have your commented smile across the room. Yeah, exactly. Liking somebody's posts, responding with a congratulations on your publication day. It is that smile across a crowded room. For exactly. This. Yeah. 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 And so yeah, I think depending on what the niche is, and again, I don't know the niche either. I have a feeling it's, knowing Judith, I have a feeling it's probably some fantasy or science fiction sub-niche. Um, right. But that that smacks to me of th- there are probably likely indie authors in there that you can just reach out to and just say, hey, mm. you know, and do exactly as you said. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I kind of agree with everything that you're saying and also... Sometimes there are gatekeepers. I suppose that's my only, yeah, occasionally there are gatekeepers. I think I've been incredibly lucky. Um, And I know that, you know, sometimes I get no responses. Sometimes I get an I'm too busy response, which I always appreciate because it allows me to to move on. Um, Yeah, so much of this is about knowing that sometimes you're going to get knocked back. Yes, yes. But it's not a reflection on you. Yes. I agree. But, I yeah. still get rejected. Mm. 
Like even oh, yeah. this week, this week <laughs> I pitched somebody who is a huge name and got knocked back, and I'm absolutely fine with that because, you know, like it happens. And yeah, oh well, I'll just try again next time. <laughs> yeah, because I'm fucking relentless. I won't stop until I get that person on the show. (laughs) And that is kind of, yeah, well, I'm not also stalking. (laughs) So so tenacity does, yeah, it, 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 I don't know tenacity or or just sheer bloody mindedness, but yes, that that willingness to go. Well, this person, you know, is either too busy or too, you know, guarded or just has shit going on for them that means that they don't want to do this right now. But I'll try somebody else. I remember as well that someday, Judith, you're going to be the person that someone's going to be going. Yeah. Can I? Could I email it? Yes. Yeah. Be okay. You know, I know Judith's writing and she's ridiculously talented, and that is absolutely true. So, yeah, I completely agree. Um, The other thing I was going to ask you is like, I don't know, I don't know if your inbox is like this, but my inbox is a fucker. (laughs) It is full constantly. And like, sometimes people will email me and I will genuinely miss it because. My inbox is so fucking full all mm. of the fucking time that like I cannot I ca- like I'm an inbox zero girl. I just right. can't do that anymore. That if Mm-mm. it's under a hundred, I'm winning, mm-hmm. and you know, and each and I'm I'm like vicious with hacking out the junk and the shit that doesn't need to be dealt with. So this is like a hundred emails that need responses constantly. So like yeah. if you don't hear and you hear nothing, mm-hmm. follow up. That's yeah. the other thing I was going to say, like follow up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, yeah, I have lots of not filtering as in filtering out, but at the moment, I mean, I, for a start, I have different inboxes completely for my work stuff. Uh, sorry, for my writing stuff, my podcasting stuff and the festival stuff. They are completely separate, but even within that I have filtering for any of the author names that I've been in correspondence with that's that's flagged with speaker 2022. And so what I can do is I can look at my inbox and I can see that there are these labels and it's like, okay, first of all, I need to see if any of the speakers have questions for me. So I click that and sort all those out. Then I need to see if there's anyone who is from someone who's not in my address book, you know, he might be new and sort that out. So it's a little extra work, but when you know particularly if it's around an event that you're organizing, like even if it's, you know, your book launch or something, having an email filter that or an email yeah, facility that basically sticks little labels on your email and then you can go, just show me the stuff that's to do with the this book that I'm writing. Just show me this. Yeah, I, I, I would die if it weren't for the fact that I can selectively hide 80% of my inbox at any one time. Right. <laughs> I have about four minutes before my alarm is going to go off for my kiddos for <laughs> runtime. So oh, yes. have you got a very short, very fantastic little rebel author kind of um, rebellion story that you can tell us? Yes. I For the first time ever, I'm actually quite proud of this. For the first time ever, I have asked for uh, someone to explain a bit of feedback 
that I got. This is on a course that I'm doing at the moment. I'm also in training to be a gestalt therapist. Um, and there, it was, uh, there's a bit that said, you know, demonstrate independent research. And I feel like I demonstrated independent research. And I, I've gone through my entire life. I've gone through four fucking degrees in which I've never challenged a mark ever. But I looked at this and there was no, no checkbox next to demonstrates independent research. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. And instead of going, oh, well, it doesn't matter. I was like, no, I, I would like to know why. And so for the first time in my life, I've emailed the tutor going, can you explain to me why that's a, and it's it sounds like such a stupid, trivial, petty little thing. But I feel like going. I think someone might have made a mistake here, and I think perhaps I'm not being given my due as an author, as any kind of freelance is an essential fucking skill, whether it's. I don't think that person's chased my uh, paid my invoice or I thought they were ex- included letting me also claim for expenses and now they don't seem to be or they haven't mentioned a fee and I'm not sure if there is one being able to say I think actually that I'm worth this can you confirm that is a it feels like oh my god I'm going to offend this person and they're going to hate me and they're never going to work with me again and blah blah, blah. I, I'm, tr- I'm learning with baby steps to go, no, hang on a minute. This was worth something, wasn't it? Um, it's, it's, that, that was my rebellion this week was going, I think, I, I don't think that was right. Please, can you look at it again? I love that. I, I, one of my questions recently was, how, how are you advocating for your creative self? So I absolutely love that. I think that is amazing. Um, okay, tell everyone where they can find out more about you, um, your books, your uh, event that you're putting on. Remind everybody about the Rebel Discount. Um, I will. Yeah, and anything else you want to add? Absolutely. So find me on SciRiBi, that's S-C-I for science, W-R-I for writing and B-Y for burn. That's on both Instagram and Twitter. And look for wildwordsfest.com for full details of the festival. And do not forget to use the code REBEL, R-E-B-E-L, and that will give you 10% off. And there's an extra 10% off early bird if you book before the end of February. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I've had a blast talking to you. Thank you also to all of the show's listeners and all of the show's patrons. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, then you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. I'm Sasha Black. You are listening to Emma Byrne and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Join me next week when I talk to the amazing Tammy Lebrec. She is the newsletter ninja. She is a master, a demon of newslettering. And trust me when I say you are going to need a notebook and a pencil because fuck me, does she just pour out information and ideas for you, for your reader magnet. Do not miss this one. So join me next week for that. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.